It is July 11th on theconstantinvestor.com. I'm Buffy Gorilla, and I'm speaking with Colin Edwards. Colin, can you give me a little bit of background about yourself? Uh, yes. Um, I describe myself as an accidental investor, I suppose. Um, I was uh, born in New South Wales. I've got three older brothers. We were, grew up in a country town. My father was, and by choice, a country solicitor, although he came from Sydney. And my mother came from a um, sheep grazing family on the slopes of uh, New England. Um, when I say I'm an accidental investor, I guess my mother gave me 100 BHP shares for my 21st birthday. So that was a sort of starting point. But I say accidental because, well, for most of my younger life, um, I didn't have any other investments. I just had, you know, a bank account, and uh, like most people did at that age, I think. Um, I uh, went to secondary school in Sydney to Barker College, which is uh, a much better school now than it was then. (laughs) (laughs) I get their magazine. I just got one today. Um, But that was that was fine, and. not sure what to do with myself after school. Um, my father actually found that uh, CSRO were advertising for a technical assistant in Armadale, which was near where we lived, and I got the job. Mm. So I was there for two years, and the guy I worked with, um, who was an agricultural scientist, he said you should go to university, you're too bright for this job. So, um, again, my father was pretty good at finding these things. He found out there were cadetships going, as they were in those days. There were lots of teaching ones, but this one was to go um, be trained in to study agricultural science and then go to Papua New Guinea. It tied me down for five years, but uh, it was quite an experience. And I actually met my wife up there. She's gone up there nursing. Wow. And so you were in Papua New Guinea for five years? Uh, actually, for nine years all up. Um, but during that time, I was given a uh, postgraduate option to go overseas. Um, from Papua New Guinea, uh, agricultural people used to, they used to go to the, um, what was it called? The Imperial College of Tropical Agriculture, mm. when uh, uh, when it was still uh, a colony, but um, that's in Jamaica. That sounds very exotic. Uh, but that yeah, that had been closed down um, with independence, and uh, someone suggested I could look to go into the Inter-American Institute of Agricultural Sciences in Costa Rica. So I applied to go there, and I went there and did a one-year master's degree. So then I came back to Papua New Guinea and we eventually... Um, we actually left because we had one child there and one on the way and my wife had some dental issues and it wasn't a good spot for good dental care. So we returned and came and settled in WA where my wife came from. And uh, I applied to... Uh, do a PhD at the at um, UWA, 
and uh, and I ran out of money, but uh, got some work at the university um, as a senior tutor in uh, biometrics. So I'd started to move sideways from agricultural science to other things. And um, UWA at that time had just set up a computer centre uh, with big computers and, and interactive computers. And I got interested and learned to write Fortran. And as I say, I got a job in what was called the biometrics unit, helping students analyse their research projects and that kind of thing. And how long did you work there? I can't remember exactly, but I was headhunted to go to the State Department of Agriculture to their biometrics unit. So I joined the team there. Um, At that stage, they were still using uh, electric calculators to to do analysis, but they also had a a small computer system, an old PDP-11 that you used to feed paper tape into. But then uh, they also got a what was called a batch terminal to the uh, university computer, and you had punched cards. So I've been in the on the computing side from pretty early on, and uh, I ended up. Um, they decided to set up a computer services section, and I, I was the, the manager of that for a number of years. Um, so I sort of moved sideways again from statistics into computing information technology. So you've got a lot of analytical skills that might come in handy with investment, I would imagine. But Well, we... you'd think so, but yeah. <laughs> well, I was wondering if we could go back to your BHP shares. Yeah. Tell yeah. me a little bit about how they evolved and were you disappointed when your mother when you turned 21, gave you those and your friends were getting no, maybe cooler the birthday contrary. presents? No, no, no. The story, I had an aunt, her sister, her maiden sister and aunt survived. Her income was from BHP shares. She had several thousand, I gather, at the time. So it seemed like a good, you know, a good thing. And in fact, every now and then they'd, they'd you know, there'd be a new issue and you'd just find the money from somewhere and I gradually accumulated I can't remember how many. Um, when we moved to WA, we needed a deposit on a house that we were buying and uh, sold all the B, or at least I thought I'd sold all the BHP shares. I think I ended up still with something like 32 for some unknown reason. But the uh, BHP shares helped to uh, help us buy a house and have a reasonable mortgage. So, no, it was, that was a really good investment. Um, and it was probably not until we were married and had children that there was some, you know, some interest in possibly other shares. And I called myself an accidental investor because the sort of thing that happened, and other people around my age would relate to this, we uh, um, we got Coles, um, you know, subscription or whatever it was to buy from Coles, and one of the the options came up when Coles uh, went. Um, we bought Coles shares because you'd get a discount. Okay, and is that Coles the grocery, the supermarket chain? Yeah. Okay. And that, of course, became West Farmers. So that's how I ended up with West Farmers shares. Um, 
we had uh, our bank accounts were with the Commonwealth Bank, and when that privatised, we were offered shares in Commonwealth Bank. So that's how we both ended up somehow. Although we had a joint account, we were offered both offered shares, and we both took them up. And uh, we sort of we've got joint accounts now, but that's how accidentally, so to speak, I ended up with Commonwealth Bank shares. And they've done very nicely, thank you very much. <laughs> and have you kind of put that accidentalness to one side and started becoming a little bit more active uh, now? Yes, I have a bit. And I guess the thing that I'd say precipitated was the, the GSC because uh, when uh, my wife and I, my wife retired a bit earlier than I did, I retired just on the turn of this century. Um, we both had superannuation but not particularly large um, and we had a financial advisor with the our credit union as it was then which became uh, eventually became Bank of Queensland which is why I've got shares in the Bank of Queensland so there's another accidental <laughs> situation but um, um, the um, the investments you know in the superannuation fund like everybody else has you know went south at the GFC, they've come up again reasonably well. Um, but it meant, you know, we had to be pretty careful what our spending patterns were. And it's around that time, I guess, I really started listening to Alan Kohler when he was on the ABC. He was, in those days, would interview people. And uh, the other really good investment I made, and sort of on his advice, it really wasn't, but... Um, he interviewed uh, McNamee, who was the CEO of um, CSL, and I decided to buy shares in CSL at the time, uh, which has also turned out to be a winner. Mm, so, a lot of people. Thank you, Alan, for that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A lot so of these days, I mean, things changed when, like, Commonwealth Securities were set up and you were able to do online trading and that kind of thing. I wasn't intending to trade, but it was much easier to to, you know, sell some shares if you had to or buy more shares and that kind of thing. And it was, I also subscribed to the Eureka Report when Alan was running that. And uh, I've sort of kept on with it, but these days, um, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an active investor, but I'm more a careful investor, I guess. And uh, which is more like to be part of the uh, the constant investor. <laughs> and how do you identify the shares that you're interested in making an investment in? Yeah, that's. I knew you'd ask me that question, and <laughs> I find it difficult. But I guess I, I, I sort of scan the various advice that you know people through um, Eureka Report, through Alan's discussions about. Um, you know, newcomers, um, the interest in listed investment companies really um, sparked my interest because I could see that was that was quite a good way of, of spreading your investments or going into things like real estate. I didn't mention that when we were much younger, we um, we used to go down to the southwest of WA for holidays with the kids. And at one point, we went to stay with some friends who had a, a house in Nanup, and there was a vacant block next door, quite a big block. Um, 
and it was up for sale. So we ended up buying that thinking, you know, this will be a retirement place for us, which just didn't happen for various family reasons. Uh, it's a big uncleared block of land, which we ended up just paying uh, council rates and water rates on. Um, it went up in value, but the, the, uh, the valuation by the land corp, as it's called in WA, was outrageous compared with what it was really worth, and we decided um, early this year to sell. So uh, I've got out of real estate except for our own home, but I'm interested in, uh, I was really interested in like blue sky alternative investments where you have a spread of, of uh, you know, well thought out, well considered real estate and other kinds of investments and that's how I like to, to spread. So I've got something like, I think at the moment, 25 different um, investments in the portfolio. I've still got Commonwealth Bank, I've still got BOQ, I'm... Oh, Telstra was the other accidental one because we had a telephone account. <laughs> so when it privatised, yes, we bought Telstra shares. Um, and, that, you know, we made some, well, John Howard persuaded us to buy at a silly price, but uh, on average, I'm just breaking even on the capital value of Telstra shares. So I might take Alan's advice and bail out of that, but at the moment I'm sitting tight. So they're the kind of, when I say I'm accidental, you can see that I'm not particularly um, diligent, I guess. But, um, and my wife is very conservative. She's, she's allowed me to just manage everything. So I've got to be a bit careful what I do and what I don't do. And How am I going? <laughs> well, I know you don't want to be like, sorry, honey, I've lost everything. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There was one for, I mean, what are the foolish ones? Um, when the mining boom fired up, uh, I made some investments that, you know, were pretty silly and got out quickly enough without losing too much. But that was a bit of a scary time. Um, that was back in the, what, 70s. Okay. <laughs> So there's been some a time to reflect on that and learn from those yeah, mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. And what do you hope to achieve with your investments? Because now it sounds like you've been retired for a good amount of time. Um, are you a traveler? Do you use your your um, wealth for big adventures? We've done some traveling. Um, my youngest daughter. Is, they're separated now, but still married to a guy who came from England and his parents retired to France. His father made a, some kind of invention, a little invention. That he was an engineer that went into every television set at the time and made megabucks and they retired to France. Um, and uh, so we took Russell and Naomi and the at that stage, yes, there were three three kids. Um, we joined them and headed off to France and stayed there for a while and Maxine and I went to Italy for a short visit. We've been again uh, to England for a short visit, but uh, I think our travelling days are pretty much over as far as we're concerned. Um, happy to uh, just pot around. We uh, keep our 
physical health as well as we can. We're bicycle riding. We live close to Kings Park in Perth, so that's a good spot. And, um, yeah, what's my investment is to really maintain a reasonable capital and have enough extra income that just tops up our um, account-based pensions that still come from the uh, the superannuation. It's hung in reasonably well, the super fund that we have. I mean, we don't we don't spend a lot out of it, so it it's hanging in pretty well. And like I'm 81 and my wife's 78, so we could still you know go on to a 90. So these days, one has to try and work out how on earth you're going to do that. Or I mean, we've because of our the capital we've got, we're not eligible for a pension. So the alternative is to go and spend it all and then live on a pension. But it just doesn't quite fit with my ethos at the moment. I'm I'm not anti-pension at all for people who haven't been as fortunate as, as we've been in a sense. So, um, Perfect. Well, Colin, that is an excellent story. I love the accidental investor aspect of it. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Buffy. I hope it's, well, I hope it's interesting for a few people, particularly older people my age. I think it will be. This is Buffy Gorilla on theconstantinvestor.com, and I've been speaking with curious investor Cullen Edwards.